I have quite the episode for you today. I have a conversation with Bonita, who is a working psychic out of Kelowna, BC. She was born and raised in a psychic family, which I find fascinating. And we have a great discussion about how she coaches people to learn to trust their intuition. And once they strengthen that muscle, then um, not only learning to trust it, but acting on that once we can trust our instincts. And she says if she's doing her job properly, then we will need her less and less because we will have that trust in our own inner knowing and intuition. Um, We talk about all kinds of things today and in terms of people pleasing, how we need to get in touch with our emotions and just be direct and forward rather than people pleasing, which is causing us harm. I know you're going to love this episode. I can't wait for you to listen. So let's get started. Hello and welcome, Benita K. Hodgson. I am so excited to have you here today. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Laura. Um, I'm excited to be here. It's always such a fun conversation with you, and I'm just um, really excited to bring you to maybe a new audience of people who aren't familiar with you and your work, um, just to tell people a little bit about you. Um, You have such an interesting background and education. So um, I did a little digging and I found that you finished a political studies degree from Queens while working and raising four children. Um, I'll I'll stop you there. I didn't get a degree. I didn't finish the degree, uh, but I did take political studies, sociology, Mandarin. I took a smattering of things. A real wide range. Okay, that's (laughs) good. And you also have a background in psychological kinesiology, which uh, was a new term to me, but um, that helps you communicate with the subconscious mind so you can help change beliefs. Is that correct? Yeah, it's the short form for it is Psych-K. I'm an advanced facilitator, which means that I can actually surrogate for your subconscious and work with you long distance. So I can work with people anywhere in the world. It's really good for helping with entrenched patterns because mm-hmm. it instills in the subconscious beliefs that work for you so there's less energy running the old patterns and it's easier to work through them amazing and that is right up my alley because i'm all about trying to figure out more about limiting beliefs where they come from how we manage them so i i'm just so drawn to that Um, you're also a psychic life and business coach you help people stop worrying and shift into a happier, healthier life by transforming fear and uncertainty into joy and fulfillment. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Let's just jump into it. I was lucky enough to have a, a coaching session with you. And a theme that came up in our session together was you reminding me to help or to listen to my inner voice. I'm curious, how do you connect with your intuition or your inner voice? And what has that looked and felt like for you over your life, Benita? Oh, wow. That's such a great question, Laura. Um, It started so early for me because I was born into a psychic family. My grandmother was a medium. My mom was psychic. So when I was a toddler, I was having visions and hearing voices. Sometimes it was really scary. And I'd run downstairs Mm -hmm. and go, mom, I heard the voices again. And she'd be like, that's nice, dear. Like, it was our norm. Like, I didn't know I was weird until I went to school and talked about it. And people told right. me I was weird. Um, so clairaudience, clairvoyance, clairsentience, they're all different ways of experiencing our expanded awareness, which I believe we all have. I just happened to be born into a family where it wasn't suppressed because my mother understood Right. You know, so when and it really kids... was the norm in your family. It was. Uh, was yeah. Normal. Yeah. So if a little kid says, why does Uncle Harry have a red color around him and gets told, don't be so silly? Well, you're looking to your parents to tell you what reality is. So if your parents don't get it, you start to shut it down. So over the years, my abilities expanded. At 18, I started doing professional readings. I'm 60 now. So I've had a little practice. Uh, <laughs> And it it will show up for me in a variety of ways. Sometimes it is 
a physical sensation, like uh, my gut might clench. And our enteric nervous system has 100 million neurons. Scientists mm-hmm. call this our second brain. So a clench like that or a feeling in the gut, it's a legitimate way for our subconscious to speak to us. Mm-hmm. Um, or it might come through any other physical sensations, even illness can be your subconscious trying to direct you to pay attention and even go in a new direction. Or I might have something show up in a dream, or uh, I might get an auditory message in my head, or Mm. I might get a vision. And in my work, I always say to my clients, the more you see me, the less you'll need me because I'll teach you how to be your own psychic. (laughs) So I work with whatever your native vocabulary is. Most people have some way their intuition naturally works. I mm. teach them how to trust it, hone it, and then expand on it and develop the other vocabularies. Because it really is like a muscle, right? We all have this ability. Yeah. We just haven't necessarily learned how to strengthen it and tune into it. And I used to think that we <coughs> would have one sort of of the clairs, but I've since learned, no, they're available to all of us. It just depends which ones we work on. Is that correct? Well, Yeah, and I think that what holds us back is two things. Intuition is information without deduction. You know because you know, not because you figured something out. So when we're given information for which we have no logical reason for having arrived at that conclusion, it's easy to dismiss it because often you're given information on a need-to-know basis, which means you don't have the whole story. Or it's telling you to do something outside your comfort zone. Mm. Uh, to give you an example, I was, you know, just waking up one morning and my intuition said, go downtown and stand in this store at one o'clock. And that's all I was told. So I trust my intuition. I drove downtown and where I was living, that was a 45 minute drive. Walked in this store and within minutes, somebody walked through the door I hadn't seen in five years. So why wouldn't my intuition say, because you're going to meet that person? Because I would have then distorted reality. Maybe I don't want to meet them. Maybe I do. And Mm. I've got all these ideas about what I'm going to say to them, but I haven't seen them in five years. So maybe they're not in the same place anymore. By not being told anything more, there was no distortion to the meeting. It It happened the way it was supposed to. And that's where you have to get very clear on trusting those messages and not questioning them because I I can see how I would get stuck in questioning it. And now you've missed that opportunity. So what happens if you miss that? Oh, the universe will find other ways to get your attention. I don't know if you ever (laughs) heard the expression, first you get a message, then you get a warning, then you get an event. So if yeah, it's I haven't something important... heard those words, but yes, d- definitely yeah. that concept. And it's played out in my life, I think. Yeah. Right. And and so for it might be, for example, you're running around, you should be sitting still and paying attention to some internal message mm. and you're not. So you stop your toe and maybe you're still not listening. So you sprain your ankle and maybe you're still not listening. So you break your leg and while you're laid up in bed, and can't distract yourself. You finally figure out what the internal message is. Right. And you're often sitting there thinking, I don't have time to have a broken ankle. I can't slow down. And and if you hear yourself, you think, oh, if I might have slowed down a little earlier, this might not have happened. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, uh, I think, a big part of our society. There is a certain value attached to busyness. And, and we don't realize mindfulness will get us so much further because if we can be mindful, then what we're doing is we're listening internally and we go, oh, there's the opening. And now I'm to step into that opening. Our actions ideally are informed by our intuition. So when instead we are run by our thoughts, which many, many times we are, I should be doing this, I should be doing that, I should be doing this. Um, we're not listening to what our intuition is telling us our actual path is. So we're like running around like chickens with our heads cut off without any actual awareness about where we should have been. So uh, I think there's times we just get stopped up short. Mm -hmm. So we will actually stop and go, well, what is the path? You know, with my skill set, I've been offered a lot of opportunities and my ego will go, oh, Benita, you'd be really good at that. And it'd be a lot of fun. You'd make a lot of money at it. And I ask that one question, is it my path? 99% of the time I get told no. Mm. 
And then the hard part is following through and not pursuing it because the ego wants to. And Even it's though on paper, it's, voice. yeah, it's what yeah. you yeah. supposedly should want or what society tells us you should want. Um, and yes. going against that takes strength and really knowing yourself and trusting your gift. I was going to ask you about that. Can you tell us a little bit about the different work that you do? I'm sure it's changed and evolved over your career, but um, you bring your gifts in so many different ways. So what, what sort of work are you currently engaged in and enjoying? Uh, it's interesting because I'm, I'm actually wearing a few different hats now because I'm also um, working with my husband's company um, and he, you know, he's a consultant in cybersecurity. So he, you know, he'll work with governments and banks and other large institutions to help them make sure that they're doing what they need to do to stay safe. And, um, and I'm really enjoying doing some background work in terms of that. And that, that's a lot of fun. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. It exercises that part of my mind, working with data and things like that, uh, and um, the rest of the time, um, as a psychic life and business coach, I see my main purpose as helping people to listen to themselves. So mm -hmm. a lot of times when I say to people, what brought you to my door, they'll say I'm lost. Mm -hmm. I don't know who I am. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's next. And I say, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to be. And, and I'll explain why. Because... Our ego only knows how to go from a known to a known. It doesn't know how to deal with the gray areas. It only knows how to look for patterns. It only knows how to take you to where you've already been. Mm. So when we're in what in Buddhism is called sitting in the void, um, that lostness, we think of it as a place of emptiness. It's actually a place of pure potential because if we can surrender to the not knowing something new can emerge. We can be taken in a new direction. Mm. So a lot of what I'm doing initially is holding up a mirror to people's subconscious to say, these are the patterns that have been operating since early childhood. I get that information by tapping directly into the subconscious. I work with the cards and I'll spread the cards and their subconscious will actually tell me what mm. cards to pick. And I do different spreads for different things. Um, I pick up on the energy of things. So if I'm working with a couple, uh, I can put their first names together and feel the energy of the relationship and the patterns that are operating. I've also been involved in mergers and hiring decisions because I just need a first name and I can describe work style, personality, whether they're a good fit. I don't give away any personal stuff on them. I don't even look into that. It's more like, do they, are they a good fit for that position? Um, and a lot of what I'm doing with people is as I'm giving them information and I can also see the chakras, so I can see the energy centers in the field and the information that's providing. Um, at first I'm offering information and tools that I've developed over the more than 40 years that I've been doing this. Um, but I have a lot of people now who buy my packages and work with me on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. And I start to teach them how to tap into their own intuition because ultimately, um, I feel if they're, you know, continuing to come to me year after year after year and not working with the tools themselves, then I failed them. Ultimately, I want to help them get to the point where they're really listening to and trusting themselves and needing me less and less. So it's mm -hmm. an occasional check-in. It's not a regular thing. But at first, a lot of people will work with me on a regular basis. And if there's any kind of crisis coming up, we'll do some deep work. I actually have a background as a crisis worker and suicide interventionist. Mm. So really anything people come to me with, any kind of trauma, I'm able to yeah. hold space for that and support them through it. And I definitely get that feeling from you that there's really nothing I could come to you with that you haven't, that you aren't equipped to, to even just hold space for, or that you have worked through with people before. So that's, that's a beautiful thing, but I love how you're empowering people. That is the goal to empower mm -hmm. them to, to trust their own intuition. That's really powerful. Um, I remember you said to me um, something that really stood out for me is that we were, we are born to the parents who plant the seeds for the patterns we are supposed to work on in this lifetime. And part of my path, you said, is to challenge the belief 
the beliefs that I was raised with. And maybe that's just generally for, that's work for us all to do. But wow, does that ever hit home? And especially because I am such a fan of, of examining limiting beliefs and where did that come from? Who am I saying said we had to do that? Can I flip it and think something different? It's really, the further you dig, the more interested you seem to get, right? And it is empowering to realize that we have the power to change these things once we start to become aware we can do something about them. There's a question I've been wanting to ask you for quite a while now. I heard you on a podcast and you were talking about, um, I think it was a few decades ago when you were talking about manifesting and you made a comment um, that there is a way of manifesting where you were told that you were entering into the realm of sorcery and that yes. you need to be aware of that. I'm just curious if you can tell us more about that, because that really caught my interest in, and especially in terms of like darkness and lightness and having respect for um, what we're doing. Can you just expand on that for me, please? Sure. Um, and this, you know, it was a term that came to me from my mentor. Um, it's interesting. I don't know if you ever watched the show Once Upon a Time, no. Um, it was a popular show at one point where all the uh, storybook characters came to life in this show. And there was one line that got repeated again and again throughout the series. Magic comes with a price. Mm. So, for example, I do believe that we all have a path our soul chose to walk in this lifetime. And I was born with past life recall. So I can recall half a dozen past lives where I was working on the patterns I'm working on this time. So when I go, okay, I was born to this family, it gets you out of the why me victim mode when you go, no, I needed these people because I chose to come here and work on these things. And they agreed to be players so we could all work on our karma together in whatever way our karma is related. And I do believe people often reincarnate as groups. So, you know, you're playing different roles and you're working on your karma together. So our ego wants to be in charge, wants control. So we can say, I'm going to manifest this and we're going to place intent and we're going to get super specific. Mm -hmm. But what if the universe had something else in mind for us? And we're so busy manifesting this thing over here that this expanded world we never get to see because we're making this. Mm. It's the hubris we have that we think we know better than God, universe, whatever you want to call it. Right. So I, what I have found really useful is instead to ask, <clears throat> what is it my path to do? Or what do I need to know to walk my path? And if I do place intention I keep it really general. So there was a point in my life where I, I struggled financially and I placed the intent to have a comfortable, affluent life doing the work I love. Mm -hmm. And the and as soon as you place intent and notice there's nothing there about what comfort, affluence, or even the work looks like. And then I surrendered. I didn't go, okay, now how do I make that happen? I surrendered. Because once you place intent, it magnetizes the universe to bring you the people, resources, and opportunities to manifest that. It will also remove obstacles and push you up against any internal patterns you need to shift on for mm -hmm. that reality to happen. So the very next day, the universe launched into action after I placed that intent. And I was fired from the yoga studio I was teaching at. <laughs> and that was a surprise to me. I was a popular teacher. My students were happy. But what it did for me, it, like the universe went, oh, you're spending way too much time there for way too little money. It's gone. And it pushed me up against self-doubt, fear of lack, mm. the very patterns I needed to work on to have this comfortable, affluent life doing the work I love. Interesting. Right? And so when I ask instead, what do I need to know to walk my path? What do I need to do? And I just sit in that limbic space. Sometimes answers come. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's a lot of internal churning. And then one day you wake up and you know something has shifted. And now you're operating differently in the world. And the world looks different because the world we're living in is a, it's a quantum universe. It's a manifestation of consciousness. Mm -hmm. If we want things to change around us, we have to shift internally first. 
Mm. So if you're going into the shift with just an openness to asking to be shown and guided, then I think what happens, it might even be abrupt. It might be something that pulls the rug out from under us, but it gets us where we're actually supposed to go in a more efficient manner than if we try a bunch of stuff and then go, well, that didn't really do it for me. That didn't, that wasn't fulfilling. That doesn't right. feel on purpose. Right. So I've heard people say in manifesting, be specific, but you're saying actually it's quite okay to be general. Well, if you're specific, you might very well create what you're looking for. But the whole thing about magic coming with a price is you might also incur karma. Because while you're over here busy creating this, maybe there was another way you were supposed to serve. Um, maybe there was something you were supposed to learn in a way you were supposed to grow that now that opportunity has gone and the universe has to bring it about some other way. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has to pull your empire out from under you and shake you up in some way or give you an illness or give you something so that you will go, Oh, that was the wrong direction. I don't right. even have the energy to go there. Now I have to look within and shift gears. Right. And that's where we can have our intention on something, but with the openness of this or something better, because as you say, we, we don't see the whole picture of what the universe may have in store for us. Um, funny us to think that we do. So it's better to leave that open to if there is a different purpose for me or a different direction, I'm open to that as well. Yeah. Like one of the things that I did is I said to the universe, allow me to be of service, but support me in that service. If this is what you want me to do, make it possible and sustainable for me to keep doing it. Right. And that is coupled with, and I will keep working on my patterns to become a better and better instrument of service to my clients. Mm, beautiful. There's, there's no point where we arrive. It's like, oh my God, yeah. God forbid, how boring life would be if I'm, I'm done now. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And if we're not growing, then we're dying. So I prefer to stay growing, even though it's not it's not always comfortable, but that's okay. Um. Okay, well, thank you for that explanation. That that helps clarify for me um, because I am always aware that this is powerful work and I don't ever want to do harm to me or to others. So it's so important or to be intentional be, with our words. Yeah, or you could just be selling yourself short because your mind imagines this for you and maybe you're meant to have so much more but because you're not ready to perceive that, you go, no, this this is it. This is it right here. Right. And, and there was so much more in store for you. But because you weren't open to that, it mm -hmm. couldn't show up in your reality. Mm -hmm. So good. Uh, you host a podcast on YouTube and you have several series on there. Um, I, I watched all of your series on sacred relationships and I told you I absolutely loved it. I really Thank appreciate you. your perspective. And I know that you credit Tillman, who is your lovely new husband. Um, you create, you credit him for a lot of this work that you're doing and that you're doing together. Um, you've described him as an intentional man. And I just think it's a beautiful thing that the two of you are growing together intentionally. Now, this does not mean that it's easy. Am I right? Well, in one way, I have to say he is the easiest person I've ever been around uh, in in terms of, you know, sharing my life with somebody. Um, but getting to be with him wasn't easy. Mm. I had all my core patterns. He had all his core patterns. We did a lot of work mm -hmm. to get to the point where we could be with each other, where we could even meet each other. And I would say... I would say one of the problems for a lot of people in relationships though, is that they're looking for easy. You know, they're, it's like, I just want to have fun or I want that person who's going to take my pain away. I want that person who's going to make me feel good about myself. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because Tillman and I've talked about this, that people make the mistake of looking for happy. 
And what um, a way of robbing yourself of what life can really offer you when you just go for happy. When you choose to live a life of meaning, then whether you're having a good day or something tragic befalls you or what have you, oh, but there's meaning. I can find meaning in that. Now, I have to say, we laugh, belly laugh every day. He is an absolute joy to be around. But has life thrown curveballs at us? Yeah, a surprising number of them in the year that we've been together. <laughs> and yet, and yet we, we, it only brings us closer together because we both derive meaning. Um, Tillman put it in a really neat way. And I, I often bring this up now when I'm working with my clients. He's such an inspiration to me that when two people come together who have an aim, a spiritual aim, whatever spirituality means to them, that is above who they are and what they want for themselves or even for each other as a couple, it just brings them together. It unites them. And together they create something greater than they mm -hmm. could have on their own. So we are each in our own way, very spiritual people. We're both very service oriented. Mm -hmm. So we get up each day with the attitude of how can I be the best person I can be? How can I be the best partner? How can I be the best person to serve my community? Mm -hmm. And because we derive so much meaning, life can throw anything at us. And we're like, okay, there's a reason for this. What's this supposed to teach me on my path? And we constantly communicate. We look for connection and we'll check in with each other. Like, something coming up for you you're doing okay do you need anything um so i think that when people are just looking for i just want to have fun i just want to have pleasure okay but wow you're missing out on such a rich life yeah it seems you know? very surface level when you think of it that way happiness can be yeah. very fleeting and and it's not as deep as like purpose and contribution and meaning takes you to a much deeper, more um, grounded place. And then happiness may well be a byproduct, but you're not going for the happiness. Well, happiness is fleeting. Um, you can find incredible depth of meaning in the most tragic situations. I, in my work and in my life, part of what I've done is supported people who are um, dealing with um, a fatal illness. I'm supporting them through the process. I'm supporting them in facing death. I'm, I've supported people to their very last breath. There's something incredibly beautiful about that. In those moments where somebody is crossing over, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, it's beautiful. It doesn't mean we don't grieve the loss of that person's physical presence. I lost my father this past summer, but there's an awareness that there's so much more to the world. And, and I think people who seek depth of experience rather than breadth are going to grow more. If you take that spiritual practice and even on the days that you're bored and you don't want to do it, but you get up and you do it anyway, you're going mm -hmm. to go deeper. You're going to have more profound experience. If you choose depth of relationship, you're going to have profound experiences and waking up and looking at the person you love and asking yourself, how can I support them today to derive all the meaning they need from life? How can I support them and, and help them to serve the world the way they want to, the, the way that's meaningful for them? When both people are doing that, you, you receive so much. And I think there's too much of people going, well, I'm not going to give too much because I'm not sure what I'm going to get. Transaction. I mean, a lot of times if you're a giver, you end up with takers. Mm -hmm. And on the way, you learn how to fill up your own well to the point that you, you won't end up in those situations anymore where you're giving and nothing's coming back. You put two givers together. It's amazing. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. And you just, you know, you want to serve. And there's something very beautiful about being of service to your partner especially one who deeply appreciates everything you do, mm -hmm. you just, you want to give them the world. Mm -hmm. And then you have the work to do 
to let in everything they want to give you. And that's the reciprocal. Yeah, it's gonna go both ways. That's beautiful. And and let it in, right? Because that's a mm-hmm. lot of times people will go, oh, I really want love. I really want intimacy. But they haven't done enough work on loving and accepting themselves. So they meet somebody, go, wow, this person really knows me. Oh, no, this person really knows me. I don't even want to know me. And we put up walls to that <laughs> connection. Yeah. So we have to fall back in love with ourselves, too, in all of our aspects. Mm-hmm. Right? Including our shadows and, and things that we're not necessarily thrilled about. But boy, are they revealed in an intimate relationship, right? Yeah. And, and, the and right being loved in spite love of all that. Of it. Yes. And yes. well, and not even despite, but because of it, like mm. there's incredible freedom in being with somebody who has seen all of who you are, including your shadow and loves and accepts all of it because they've learned to love and accept their own shadow. You know, a lot of times I'll hear people say, how do I get rid of my anger, my grief, my shame? Um, whatever they perceive as a negative part of themselves. I say, why would you want to? These are beautiful parts of you that when they're supported to come to consciousness Mm -hmm. will be constructive parts of you. You will step into wholeness. You will have more energy, more awareness because there's more of you operating. Mm -hmm. You know, the part that's stuck in anger and especially as women, we're often taught to see anger as a negative Mm-hmm. Anger is the energy of action. Yes. It's the part of you that says, hey, there's something you need to address here. Yeah. And as you do, that part of you doesn't come out as rage because you listened early enough. It, it comes out as, waiter, that's not what I ordered. I need you to do this now. You can't mm-hmm. speak to me that way. It's just directness. It's just mm-hmm. clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a way to to deliver that kindly without exploding, right? But you're still being clear about your needs. But you first have to pay attention when it's just an irritation and not go, Mm. oh, shouldn't be feeling that. Let's just push that down inside. (laughs) Well, that's exactly where I wanted us to go next because um, I... I'm a big advocate of also feeling what we need to feel and especially as women, this, um, this is a big topic. So... If we don't feel our emotions, often we we stuff them down. And as a people pleaser, I've le- learned how to try, I'm learning how to tune in and discover what am I actually feeling when you start to sense that agitation and things like that. And um, I think it's really important, especially as women, um, you and I were at the Made to Grow brunch recently, and we had an amazing discussion w- with the room about the conditioning and the messages that we've been given as women, you know, you're too much, you are too loud, just be quiet, you don't have anything interesting to say, whatever the fill in the blank was for you. Um, But it's so crucial, especially because with autoimmune diseases, 80% of the people with those are women. And it, it seems definitely Dr. Gabor Mate talks about how this is tied into people pleasing and how yes. women are often caretakers and looking after everybody else's needs before their own. And then we're suppressing whatever, you know, can be coming up for that. We're starting to get run down. We're not paying attention to the signs. Well, and then that, go ahead. I think there's another facet to it. First of all, I want to say, yes, Made to Grow is an amazing event and what an amazing discussion. So thank you so much for facilitating that. It was fantastic. And shout out to Valerie too, who's a McTavish. She's just an amazing speaker. She opened it up. Yep. She did a great job. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking toward autoimmune, I think it also functions in a distorted manner for setting boundaries. A lot of times if we are conditioned that we are to serve, that we don't have a right to say no to something, our body will do it for us. Oh, I really want to attend that event. Not really, but I'll um, be sick instead. Oh, now I can't attend because I'm sick. And it's it's really unfortunate um, because we don't um, listen to our subconscious and then follow through and say, that's not for me. So mm. we sacrifice the body. I remember um, one of the techniques I actually talk about, um, I have a blog post called Think Twice Before You Help Someone. (laughs) Because our knee-jerk reaction is, oh, you need me, I'm there. But what if it wasn't supposed to be you? 
So mm. to give you an example, there was one night many years ago, I was at home and get a call from a friend. Anita, I'm really struggling with something. I really need an ear. Could you come downtown tonight? And I checked in. And one really easy way to do it is to make a statement. I would love to come downtown and talk to so-and-so. If it's true, I'm going to feel very balanced and calm and open. If it's not, I might feel tight. I might feel heavy. I might feel dread. Or I might feel elation. I will be such a good friend if I do that. Mm-hmm. So my body said no. So I responded by saying, I don't sense that I'm the person you're supposed to be speaking to tonight. So he said, okay, we got off the phone and he called me up the next day. After we spoke, he went to his favorite watering hole, friend walked through the door, spent the whole evening talking to the friend. Mm -hmm. So sometimes somebody's supposed to work through it on their own. Sometimes it's supposed to be someone else and you're going to take their place, which means you weren't supposed to be there. Sometimes it is supposed to be you. How do you make sure you're in the right place at the right time? You check in. And then here's the hard part. You follow through. (laughs) So if you get a no message, have the courage to say no. Because a lot of times our fear is, well, then my friend won't like me. Mm -hmm. Well, then it wasn't a friendship. It was a transaction. I pay for this friendship with my personal energy Mm -hmm. to the point that I'll make myself sick. Right. Want to find out who your friends are, say no to them and see how they respond. Mm-hmm. Now I saw you were home last night. You didn't answer your phone. That's right. I was taking an evening for myself. Good friend will say, good on you. Bad <laughs> friend will go, but you shouldn't have answered your phone because I was in need. You know, I needed <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. We have to give that permission to each other and we have to take that for ourselves as well. It's really, yeah. really important. Yeah. And realizing uh, too, that when you are everybody's emotional caretaker it's a lot like doing a beer run for an alcoholic Mm. you're helping people to stay asleep if their patterns always get what they want they're comfortable as soon as you say no and somebody struggles with that it triggers their pattern they have a choice to either work on what that is for them Mm -hmm. or get mad at you Mm -hmm. you're giving them an opportunity to wake up they may not take it they may not thank you for it but at least you're not participating in helping them stay asleep. Well, and as mothers, that's, we get lots of practice with our children. And that's a place I could certainly practice that checking in. Is this helpful for me to step in or do I let them figure this out on their own or find somebody else to talk to or whatever it may be? You can also just ask, what is it my path to do in this situation? So often we think we have to be rescuers. I'm reminded of a part of, I think it was in A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, where he's sitting home one evening and there's a frantic knock at the door. And this friend comes in who's freaking out about some court case she's involved in. She's scattering papers all over his living room. And she's going on and on about this for like 20, 25 minutes. He's just sitting, saying nothing, holding space. And after about 25 minutes, she says to him, none of this is important, is it? He said, no, it's not. And she gathered up her papers and left. That was the entire interaction. Wow. (laughs) How often do we not give our kids a chance to come to a realization or we try to give them solutions instead of saying, so what do you think your first step is to resolving this? Mm. Even if it's not the final solution, getting them to get started on thinking of one means they have to contribute energy. Right. They have, and you meet them halfway. Like, well, that sounds like a good idea, but what about if you added this? Now you can participate, but you made them start to become responsible for their own behavior. So mm-hmm. they don't feel like victims, you know, and there's that concept of the dysfunctional family where there's three roles that get played, persecutor, rescuer, and victim. And they often get interchanged because you feel mm-hmm. like a victim if you feel you have to rescue. The only way out of the triangle is to be willing to be seen as the persecutor. Not because you're persecuting, mm-hmm. but because you refuse to rescue and you refuse to be a victim. Mm-hmm. So a person will get mad at you if they want to be a victim and they want to be rescued. Got have big shoulders to do that work. Wow. That's very timely, that explanation. So thank you for that. (laughs) Very timely. Uh, And and conserve your energy. My kids, I mean, I raised four of them, right? I've got five grandchildren now. Um, 
they would, I'd say no. And then they'd spend about 20 minutes giving me all the reasons why I should say yes. Mm -hmm. And they're waiting for me to defend myself and they get energy from that. So after their 20 minute spiel, they'd look at me and go, well, and I'd say, I already gave you an answer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But still allow them to do, to say what they need to say. It's just not going to change the answer. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, and I had this realization one day when I was dealing with one of my sons who was 17 at the time, and I'm explaining all the reasons why he should do what I'm telling him to do. And he's rolling his eyes. I suddenly had this awakening. Why would I think my son at 17 would see things the way I did at 37? So I just looked at him and I said, as your mother, I have to set down this rule. And he rolled his eyes. And I said, as my teenage son, I expect you to do that. And he laughed because I taken away this expectation that he should agree with me. Mm. So basically I just got to the point of going, you don't have to like it. This doesn't have to be something that you're happy about. You just have to do it because there's consequences if you don't period. And I'd say to them, you know, this isn't personal. This is how life works. Mm. This is what will happen to you out in life. If you don't follow through on this. Wow. I can't imagine being one of your children, like what a cool <laughs> perspective. <laughs> so cool. Um, you brought your cards with you today. Would you yes, be willing to do a reading? And this is this sure. is when we had a session together. This is, do you always use cards when you're working one-on-one with somebody? Um, sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. Uh, sometimes people will come in to see me and they're very clear about something they want to work on. And while they're talking... I'm tuning in and I'm getting realizations Mm. about their patterns. So I have some clients where we never touch the cards, other people where it's the first thing we do. Most people really enjoy them. So with some clients that, you know, we've been talking for 45 minutes, they'll go, so can I have some cards now? (laughs) (laughs) Because they're fun, let's face it. Yeah. And I have about 50 different decks, but this, the Osho Zen Tarot is my go-to deck. It's I find traditional tarot decks are kind of ugly, scary, and most people don't understand them. The Osho Zen tarot really maps the subconscious very nicely. Mm. Hence the reason why it's my go-to. Love that. And you recommended it to me as well. So I have it now too. And it's it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really fun. (laughs) So um, is there something in particular you'd like me to tune in on? Um, I'm going to say just general okay how much time do we have as much as we need okay so then we'll do a big general spread instead of like a three card spread or something like that okay amazing okay all right so i'm going to start by tuning in oh i should check though what is our time it's twelve forty-three right now Okay, I have to be at the office at two. That's we can do, asking. we can do. I'm, I'm good till one thirty. I'm good till one thirty. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first thing I get when I tune in on you is impatience. there's something you want to get to and you just want to get moving on it and you don't feel it's moving fast enough and um it's what's known as pushing the river Mm. not all the pieces are coming together as quickly as you would like so just remember that things have to especially when other people involved things have to fall into place as they're meant to okay um so sometimes if you try to push things it won't come together quite the way you would have liked for it to, or something internal has to shift before it can externally manifest. Okay. Okay. So now I've got the card spread out in front of me and your subconscious is pointing out which cards to pull. And I should also explain that 
um, when I use the tarot and I actually train other people in using their psychic abilities, um, you can get really caught up on, well, this is what the card is supposed to mean according to the book. Um, I don't use cards that way. I will initially learn the meanings and then I let go because I might get 50 different interpretations for a card depending on who I'm reading and where it falls in the spread. It's more about providing a framework for one's intuition. Mm -hmm. So the first card we get for you is the morality card. So this has to do with being hard on yourself, <laughs> expecting too much sometimes, not being as gentle as you should. So for example, if you do find there's times you get fatigued, you need a break, take the break. Mm. And also say you're trying to get something done and you suddenly feel like taking a nap, take the nap. I can't tell you how many times I've had a workshop to do and um, I'm suddenly overwhelmed with a need to sleep. And I wake up two hours later and everything I needed for the workshop just downloads. It's, it's there now because we process a lot of things in our resting state. So allow yourself downtime, allow yourself to rest. Nice. This is crossed by, <laughs> but this is funny. <laughs> it happens all the time. I get something. And then the next card says what I just said, slowing down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too cute. Yeah. <laughs> Your undercurrent. I love this card for you. The understanding card. So what you see is a bird in a cage watching the other birds fly by, but the cage door is open, which means this bird can join them. It says in this lifetime, a lot of what you're doing is challenging limiting beliefs is looking at how am I placing myself in a cage when I could be flying free. So challenging limits imposed on you has been a lifelong thing for you. Mm hmm. And it's so cool because your overarching card is the creator, creating your reality, right? Letting your true path shine through and getting out of your own way by challenging those limiting beliefs. Mm. In the past, the control card comes up. I'm going to say this feels like um, a male figure from your past, whether it's your dad or whether it's been a previous partner. Um, there's still some emotional material attached to that. It still feels like there's anger. So what I'm going to suggest you do is when that anger comes up, rather than say, I'm, it's in the past, I should be done with that. Recognize it's a part of you still stuck there that isn't conscious. So mm -hmm. instead, Scan your body, feel where you feel the anger in your body, breathe into it until you feel really connected to it. And then ask your psyche for an image of yourself at the age that pattern began. Mm. You might get a very young part of you. You might get a teenager, 20 year old, whatever. And then ask that part what it needs, either what it needs you to know or what it needs you to do so that it can become conscious. Remember, anger is the energy of action, but it's true for any emotion that comes up. It's a part of us that's trying to become conscious. And we, as the conscious part of the self, can support it by asking it questions. A lot of times when I'm doing inner child work, people go, oh yeah, I've done that before. Oh yeah, what did your inner child tell you? Mm, what do you mean? Because they think inner child work is padding on that. You're okay. You're safe. Well, what if it doesn't feel safe, especially because it's not <laughs> feeling heard? Right. Ask questions. Mm -hmm. Let those parts communicate with you so they can ta start taking that energy that's stuck in that old cycle and start using it constructively in your life. It may want to build or create something or support something you're doing, but because it's been left in the background, it's not gotten to come forward and participate. Mm, okay so think of it like being in a boardroom and you're inviting those parts to sit at the table with you and offer their stories and therefore their wisdom and perspective right so going forward we have the comparison card so that means looking at something like should i go this way should i go that way basically this is about you know looking at a choice that you're making and weighing your decisions. And this might very well be for you something that you've applied yourself to in terms of work 
that you're now starting to say, do I need to liberate that energy for another direction that I want to go? Mm. Okay. Um, the success card comes up. There's a saying I always have. When you say yes to yourself, the universe says yes right back. So if you're doing something that is on your path, the universe will support that. The resources you need to continue in that vein will be there as long as you're not running patterns that block you receiving it. So it's saying, once you get that sorted out, you're opening the door to success. Mm. And the energy around that is going with the flow. Hmm. Okay, so in other words, as you make that shift, success is there for you, but it isn't something you have to force. Opportunities will come. Doors will open. You just have to step into them. People think of going with the flow as being passive. It's not. It's being aware. It's observing, going, ah, there's the opening. Mm -hmm. right? What action should you take? Mind your energy. This is the same as the hanged man in a traditional deck. The exhaustion card is where you've painted yourself into a corner by overcommitting and looking at where do I say no? Where do I delegate? Where do I say not yet? Because I need to reprioritize to be more effective at few, a few things rather than be mediocre at a lot of things. Okay, it's right. time to prioritize. Okay. And the end result, I love this card for you. It is a major arcana card. In this deck, anything with the purple diamond is. Mm -hmm. And this is integration. So integration is the feminine and masculine working together. And I'll explain. The feminine is the intuitive receptive side of us, the side that receives wisdom. Remember, knowledge we can grasp or we can read books, we can study. Wisdom is something we receive. The universe is offering it to us. The masculine is the part that takes that wisdom and acts on it. So when your intuition says, show up at this place at one o'clock, the masculine is the part that gets in the car and goes there, <laughs> right? If we're too much in our feminine, we have all these wonderful ideas we don't do a darn thing with. Mm. If we're too much in our masculine, we're just trying a bunch of things, hoping something works, but there's a lot of wasted action in that. So ideally we listen to our intuition and then we act on it. But because we live in a society that says, don't just sit there, do something. That's why we end up too much in the masculine. It should be flipped. Don't just do something. Sit. Right. Sit until you know, and then act on your knowing. Mm -hmm. Does this all make sense to you? Or do you have any questions about that spread? Oh, there's so much in there. I'm glad it, this is being recorded so I can go back <laughs> and listen. It sure does. Um, I definitely feel like it's speaking to my next steps in, in business. But of course, business and personal is so intertwined Always. and our, our stuff comes up. Um, yeah, and it's so interesting because I can be very much a go with the flow kind of person. And then other times I'm like, wow, I'm locked down and gripping and anxious. So it's it's definitely both. Yeah, but there was there was so much in there. So you want to start checking in first and, and something else I want to add to this. Say you get an invitation and in your line of work, you're going to get invited to go here, there and everywhere. How do you make sure you're in the right place at the right time? How does it feel in my body to contemplate being there? It's mm -hmm. like a few years ago, January of that year, I get an email. There's this, um, new trade show coming up and would you like to participate and I'd often done that rented a table set up did readings at events which I'm starting to do again um and I checked in and my gut clenched so I went okay I'm not supposed to go for some reason they really wanted me I got an email in February I got a couple more at the beginning of March I checked in every time in case something had changed every time nope what happened in March COVID hit. The event was in May, had to be canceled. And I didn't have to try and get the money back on my table because I listened. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
right? How do you make sure you're in the right place at the right time using your energy the way you're supposed to? Check in every single time. You're invited to a party, check in. That's why when I'm doing my business coaching, I always say personal stuff comes up, fine. Because if you're stuck in something personal, there's less energy to show up in your business. So whatever comes up, it's all business coaching if I'm mm. coaching somebody who's working. Right. And I just want to add as well that if you're working with me in person, you can record me on your phone. If you're working with me on Zoom, I send you a video because there are so many takeaways and tools. Yeah, yeah. And then you don't have to worry about retaining it. Yeah, I've gone back and listened to our recording several times because it is so rich. There's so much in there. Um, One last question I would love to ask you is just when I'm doing those check-ins, how do we know we're not being driven by anxiety and that what if I don't take this opportunity? What if I miss something really good? What if, what if, what if that's very fearful? That's a fantastic question. Never make a decision out of fear, including the fear of not making a decision. Mm-hmm. If you're not feeling centered, the answer is like this expression, if it's not an absolute yes, it's a no. And I would say, or a not yet, because sometimes mm-hmm. something shifts and then it is a yes. But if you're feeling fearful around it, then I would say, use that opportunity to check in. What am I attached to that I'm fearful? Because if you're fearful of missing an opportunity, So if you ran for that opportunity out of fear, do you think it would work out? You'd go into the situation tight. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be open. You wouldn't be flowing. So whatever it was going to offer you, you wouldn't be able to receive anyway. Mm. So even if it was a good opportunity, if you go into it with fear, you're not going to benefit from it the way you would. So better to sit with your fear and again, go in. What part of me is afraid? Work with that part. Even if you don't end up taking that opportunity, you've accomplished something. And if you do shift and you work through that fear and that opportunity is still there and now it feels right, now you're going to benefit from it. Remember, it's a quantum universe. Everything's an illusion. So the idea that I have to grab that thing out there or I'll miss it. Well, since we create our reality, once you shift internally, something else will show up or that mm-hmm. situation will come back to you. I can give you a really funny example. I used to work at, um, at a university and I had a manager who was trying to prevent me from having an opportunity. And I remember being really mad at her because there was an opportunity to reschedule and other people were offering to take my work for me so I could go do this thing. She would have none of it. So I went home, I was really angry and I sat down and I I just went all Zen on it. Like something must, she must be really struggling with something that she's doing this. Mm -hmm. So I went in the next day and I said, can I talk to you? So I went into her office. I said, I owe you an apology. I was very angry at you yesterday, but I realized there must be something going on with you. I don't have to know what it is that, that you would do that. So I'm accepting that where a door closes, a window opens. And if there's another opportunity for me, something will shift and it will come to me. Within the hour, the phone rings. The person who was supposed to run the workshop that I was being scheduled against so I couldn't go to wasn't coming back into the country in time. And it was rescheduled to a time where there was it was totally open for me and she couldn't schedule against it. Even she freaked out. It was just so cool. <laughs> the whole universe, it's elastic. It's 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 an illusion. So when mm-hmm. we shift by my letting go, everything shifted within an hour mm-hmm. to allow me to take that opportunity. Wow. <laughs> That's beautiful. And it's just it's so it's really is quite funny to think that we are in control, right? Because there's so much more at play here and we can be at play with it as well and not take it so seriously. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right? Is that we are eternal divine beings having human experiences. And that's like that in eternity. And we get all caught up and angsty in our experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, remember my mentor saying to me one day, Anita, don't worry, because eventually you're going to die. 
<laughs> well, that's uh, that's a good lead into the final question I wanted to ask you. Sure. Uh, th thank you for doing the card reading, by the way. My that is pleasure. amazing. And it's always so interesting. You get all the wheels turning for me. Um, what is something that you think your future self would like Benita to know today? So 20 years down the road, 30 years, even 50. What do you think the message would be? Oh, God bless today? you. If I'm living another 50 years, that is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good question. Um, and here's how I'll answer it. I remember reading the Tibetan Book of Living and Dying. Um, and it was, it's the concept that when we die, we encounter this incredible white light that is pure love. And because we haven't learned to love ourselves, we, we shy away from that light and we're instead drawn to the dimmer light of a couple making love and we become their baby and we start the cycle of death and rebirth all over again. Now that's one concept because I also believe there's just the eternal now and a higher consciousness that's aware of all the lives we're living. But let's play with that for a second. What if this life is primarily an exercise in learning to let in so much love and letting it flow into us and out of us for others, that when we die, we can see that light and we can just allow ourselves to be in that deep state of love. Mm -hmm. There's actually a practice for this. Um, Tibetan Buddhists, they're, they're kind of shocked at how scared North American people are of death. Right. We've, we've turned death into a big, scary thing instead of natural. So they have something called POA practice. Um, P-O-W-H-A, I think. I might have my spelling wrong. Um, or P-O-H-W-A. And what it is, is that you imagine whatever deity you believe in or energy is, is up in the sky and, and on all of your being is concentrated as an energy at the heart and it rises up and it becomes one with that energy when we die. They practice this all the time. So when they do die, they're ready to do that. <laughs> it's and not so scary. Yeah. And you can conduct poet practice for others. I've done it for a mm. friend of mine with his permission as he was leaving the world. Um, and I was well aware of when he left. And, you know, we had our goodbyes after he left before he went on to his next, next adventure. So what I would want for what my I believe my future self would want me to do is to keep flowing, keep allowing, become more and more an open and expanded instrument to bring heaven to earth, that higher vibration of love through the physical form out into this reality to love the people I serve, to love myself. Because if I'm not loving myself, I'm turned inward angry or hurt at myself. And that means it's not flowing outward. So to let love flow through me, for me, to others and receive so it's just just being a conduit of love uh one of my teachers ram das i i had the privilege of talking to him before he died oh. and he gave me a mantra i suspect he gives it same one to everybody <laughs> <laughs> i am loving awareness mm. and when you think about that i am loving awareness all that you are anything else i call it mud on the mirror anything mm. else is distortion uh, all our negativity you know the dalai lama said i don't understand this north american habit of of self-hatred you are but a nature it's another way of saying the same thing so just being as loving toward myself toward others and being that conduit so energy just flows so that by the time i die my wish is that I am able to serenely acknowledge it's time to leave, leave as gently as possible, go on to my next adventure and just keep expanding in loving awareness. Woo. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Aww. And what a beautiful message to end on and to aspire to. So that is, uh, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. <sighs>
Laura, thank you for this time with you. Oh. I've enjoyed every minute. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Um, you're just such a lovely person to be around and you oh. have such, such a beautiful light. And I think everything you're doing is amazing. You're uplifting people <laughs> and you. bringing meaning to their lives. And that's incredible work. Thank you so much. Um, honestly, that means so much to me. And I, I just want more people to be able to find you. Where where should we direct people to find um, out more about who you are? And your website is spiritcolona.com, right? Yes. Okay. And, and where else? Um, my Instagram, I, I'm still keeping my old one going, Benita Summers Psychic. There's also now, since I'm married, Benita Hutchson Psychic. That's H-O-D-G-S-O-N, but we pronounce it Hutchson. Um, and I am on Facebook. There's Spirit Kelowna on Facebook. I have a page. I have Spirit Kelowna Community, which is a Facebook group. Um, and if people want to check me out on YouTube, I do have a series of podcasts yeah. going. It's Benita K. Hudson, K-A-Y, uh, on YouTube. Um, yeah, I think that's, I'm pretty easy to stop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I encourage people to go to YouTube and watch your videos and your podcast because you really get a sense of who you are and, in the world. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to watch. And the messages that you share with us are really, really powerful. So thank you for that. Thank you, Laura. It's my privilege to serve. I'm very fortunate that this community has, from the moment I landed here in 2011, been incredibly supportive and I just feel very fortunate to get up every day and get to do what I do. So thank Amazing. you. Amazing. Yeah, thank you. And I can't wait for our, our next time together. So thank you again, Benita, for doing this with oh, me today. Thank you. It's my I have quite the episode for you today. I have a conversation with Benita, who is a working psychic out of Kelowna, BC. She was born and raised in a psychic family, which I find fascinating. And we have a great discussion about how she coaches people to learn to trust their intuition. And once they strengthen that muscle, then um, not only learning to trust it, but acting on that once we can trust our instincts. And she says if she's doing her job properly, then we will need her less and less because we will have that trust in our own inner knowing and intuition. Um, we talk about all kinds of things today and in terms of people pleasing, how we need to get in touch with our emotions and just be direct and forward rather than people pleasing which is causing us harm. I know you're going to love this episode. I can't wait for you to listen. So let's get started.